0: Everyone and welcome to the Standard Protocol. I'm your host Matt Sutter. Thank you for tuning in this week for episode number 21. We greatly appreciate your followership on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and YouTube. As always, the Standard Protocol Podcast email inbox: standardprotocolpodcast@gmail.com. Standard Protocol Podcast at gmail.com. We are early on in the year 2023 here, but we do have some big things on the horizon for the upcoming year. So we appreciate you being along with us for the ride. Uh, Anything we can do to help you troubleshoot your problems, uh, get you on a better path for success, that's what we're here for. So feel free to reach out. And again, we appreciate you tuning in. With that, we will roll into topic number one for the week. So the first topic up for the week Uh, We wanted to kind of circle back. Uh, We had some questions come in on last week's episode. And uh, if you didn't catch last week's episode, please go back and do so. We talked at great lengths about politics in the workplace and how politics can be detrimental to your workforce, your work environment, and overall productivity of an organization. And so if you haven't uh, caught that one, please go back and do so. But uh, one of the things that came up is what is the overall how do you measure the overall cost of having a toxic work environment or a work environment where politics come first and doing the right thing and getting the right people in the right positions you know takes a backseat to you know the internal power struggles or what have you of that organization and so uh, I did a little research a colleague of mine actually uh, sent me this article uh, written by Marcella Bremer and it kind of breaks down cultural capital and, and uh, cultural capital, meaning um, a company has a high value of cultural capital if it's a positive work environment, if everyone feels fulfilled, and if they're going out and getting it done every day. And um, one of the things that is quoted here in this article, in an organization with a high level of cultural capital, misconduct risk is low, and its organizational structures, processes, and formal incentives are desired business outcomes are consistent with the firm's stated values. Unspoken patterns of behavior reinforce this alignment and drive corporate outcomes. So, in other words, you're going to have a higher level of productivity. Uh, you're going to have a low level of misconduct, and you're going to have uh, the overall uh, business values and outcomes being met if people are fulfilled at work and if it's a positive work environment with a good culture. And so that you know, to to a certain extent, that that seems like common sense. Uh, But one of the things that this article does is it breaks down, um, you know, kind of how we how we measure things and how, you know, if if you can put a price tag on the cost of not having a a positive work environment. But um, in a culture with high capital, uh, these cultures go without hidden agendas, without bullying, without office politics, without gossip, without confusion, without unresolved conflicts, without blaming, shaming, sabotage and so on and um these uh the the elimination of those negative behaviors uh saves a lot of money in the long run and so um you know you you uh you look at organizations that are really struggling those are the ones that have high levels of absenteeism disengagement low productivity stagnation bureaucracy exhaustion etc and those are the things that come with those negative work environments where things are largely driven uh uh, by politics and and by things that are uh, you know just not productive overall and 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 again that's when productivity takes a backseat to the politics and things of, of a company. Um, incivility is one of the things cited in this article. Uh, you know, basically, incivility meaning that that toxic work environment or that toxic work culture. And the um, the, the, the 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 consensus or the gist of this article is that. Uh, disrespectful behavior costs companies approximately $14,000 per employee per year due to lost productivity, $14,000 per employee per year. So if you look at an organization like the one that I came from, where it's about 730 employees overall, that adds up very, very quickly. And it doesn't matter whether you're dealing with, with taxpayer dollars uh, or you're dealing with a corporation and the bottom line, those uh, that, that eats into your overall budget and your productivity. It, it eats into your bottom line so significantly that companies should be Uh, doing everything they can to eliminate those negative costs uh, by by reinforcing those positive work environments and by eliminating the company politics. So uh, I found that interesting. That information is out there. There's a lot of studies on this stuff. Um, One of the things that that is cited, uh, you know, in that article that I referenced by Marcella Bremer. Uh, toxic behaviors and cultures. There are essentially four things that people cited as reasons for leaving a job. Number one is not liking a boss. Number two is lack of empowerment. Number three is internal politics. And number four is lack of recognition. And all of those can be uh, alleviated or, or I guess, uh, shored up a little bit by positive leadership at the top and funneling that positive leadership down. And again, that goes back to putting the right people in the right places to make sure your personnel are successful. So, you know, if you find yourself in that management position or that leadership role, and it's your job to promote middle management, um, you have got to make sure you're putting the right people in the right places that are recognizing their employees. They're not giving into the internal politics. They're empowering employees and uh, just make sure that they're likable people, that people will respect and want to follow at the end of the day. So uh, that really, again, it seems like common sense, but obviously the statistics show that a vast number of companies out there and uh, even government organizations are not really adhering to these uh, simple common sense rules in my opinion and so uh, this obviously you know it it, uh, it it bears mentioning again this week um, you know there's a Gallup poll that estimates that uh, active disengagement from a, a toxic boss can cost uh, up to 450 billion to 550 billion per year in the US economy uh, that's huge I mean you think about the economic impact overall uh, in service the the impact of the service that is being provided out there by corporations and government entities uh, across the board just by not having good leaders in place. Um, that is a very, very costly statistic. $450 billion to $550 billion per year and uh that's uh i guarantee you the american gdp uh feels that hit every year in some way shape or form so again uh we've got to we've got to ensure that we're putting the right leaders in the right place that they're doing the right things at the right times for the right reasons and uh, again it's common sense but it doesn't seem to be adhered to as widely as you would hope um There's also a statistic here, workplace bullying is a rising topic with estimates that 25 to 50% of the workforce has been subjected to... Uh, workplace bullying, and that's I I would I would actually argue that that number is a little bit low. I think fifty percent is low. That's one in every two people. Um, I don't know. I I I think that almost everybody out there is subjected to this in some way, shape, or form. And it starts day one when you're the new guy at a company, or when you're you know you're in an internship, or you're 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 you know a young professional out there trying to find your way. You're often you have a lot of those menial tasks that are pushed off onto you because nobody else in the company wants to take care of them and you're treated differently than your older peers or people with more levels of seniority and that to me that's a form of workplace bullying we're treating the new people that way or the young people that way but we wouldn't treat a senior member of the company that way and that that to me is it's an inequity and it is a form of bullying or harassment in my opinion so um you You know again thoughts if you have a difference of opinion on that please let us know if you've experienced it again that we like to hear those stories as well standard protocol podcast at gmail.com but um, you know again it boils down to if for those of you uh, you know millennials and and gen gen xers or or uh, you know folks out there that are in leadership positions we don't have many gen zers working their way up quite yet but we'll get there very soon um, if you if you find yourself in those leadership roles, you have to invest in your people. You have to invest in being engaged and creating a culture where people are appreciated, respected, and where they feel valued every day. And it boils down to, you know, you, you if you complained about it when you were on the front lines, when you start moving up into those leadership roles where you have the ability to change, don't sit back and watch the next generation of people through the door go through the same things that you did. Be the one that affects the change, that makes it easier. You know, again, I've said it on the show before, but I'll always say it as, as long as I live, if somebody, if, if I walked up to a door and it was hard for me to get open, I don't slam it shut behind me. I hold the door open and I help the person behind me come through the door so that they don't have to deal with the same struggle that I did. So if, you, if you're if you in that leadership role, you know where you've struggled, you know where you've experienced bullying and harassment don't pay that forward or pass the buck to the next guy make sure as you step into leadership roles and as you promote through the company ranks that you're one that affects that change and you make it easier for the people coming up uh, as on you know in the next generation as well because they deserve to not have to have the same struggles that that most of us have had on our way up so uh, please uh, make that a rule to live by make that something that you're uh, encouraging of your people around you and that you're uh, staying on top of the workplace culture where you're at and that you're staying engaged with your people. So again, standardprotocolpodcast at gmail.com if you'd like to weigh in on that. But I just wanted to circle back and kind of recap that because we did have some questions on that uh, stemming from last week's episode. So uh, hopefully we've got those questions answered and we can uh, put that one to bed. So with that, we'll move on to topic number two. So topic number two, I wanted to touch on creating a uh, positive work culture since we've kind of dovetailed off of the last episode with topic number one. And we've we've been, it's been a hot topic of discussion and we still get a lot of questions on this via the email. How do you create that corporate culture? Uh, Especially if you're placed in a role within a company where uh, things have been stagnant or things have been lacking over the years. And now all of a sudden you're brought in to try to uh, reinvent things or, uh, get things off the ground again as far as moving in a direction of uh, positive work culture. Uh, one of the things, there there are third-party companies out there that you can utilize to come in and do a corporate culture study, and uh, there are uh, you know several out there nationally. Uh, one that I've done a little bit of research on here recently is the Louth Investigation Team. They're based out of Indianapolis, and uh, if you haven't been to their website, louthinvestigations.com, uh, I, would, I would encourage you to get on there and take a look at some of the things that they do. And it really is a, is a pretty stand-up operation, uh, you know, based on uh, the research that I've done. Um, but some of the things that, that you can get uh, from them off their website is just kind of a breakdown of corporate culture. And, and corporate culture is defined by the Louth Investigation team as the manifestation of a relationship between leadership and their employees. And, um, you know, it, it, it concerns how policies and communication from the top of a corporation can directly influence the level of employee engagement and satisfaction. And that goes through all levels of the organization. So really, if your leadership at the top is not communicating things well, they're not engaged, they're not uh, funneling things down, that obviously leads to a lack of engagement amongst the frontline workers and middle management. It also, um, you know, just it, it, it leaves things up and the air and that's when you start to get that environment where goals and objectives aren't being met and the overall mission statement of the company is not being adhered to and you also end up with some misconduct in there from time to time. It's rare but it does happen. So uh, those are things that that uh, you know we, we've got to take into consideration when we're evaluating our culture in an organization. Uh, healthy corporate culture creates a cycle of satisfaction and productivity that both benefits the bottom line and improves the employee's engagement for a balanced stream of operations. And so, uh, you know, when your, corp- when your corporate culture has declined significantly, an internal audit is necessary. And that's what the Louth investigation team does. And again, there are other other companies and other uh, firms out there that do this kind of thing. Uh, Louth seems to have one of the more robust structures that I've seen, and so uh, that's why I'm just using them as an example. Um, but again, you know, they, they will come in and do a, cor- a corporate culture audit and you know identify risks within the company and the structure that threaten your prosperity. And these are things that uh, you can probably do uh, internally, but sometimes it takes a fresh set of eyes on things and that's when you call in one of these firms that does this for a living and they come in and they evaluate uh, your corporate policies, how you're doing things, communication from upper management down to the rank and file. And so um, sometimes, you know, it it, uh, it may not hurt to have that fresh set of eyes come in. But internally, um, it's always good to kind of know where you stand before you bring in one of these third-party audits. And, uh, you know, in my experiences. Uh, A lot of times the third-party audits are good for confirming things that we already knew or that we already suspected are going on. And they do have uh, very good input as far as how to... Uh, how to shore things up a little bit or how to uh, just improve upon your current processes that you have. Uh, but, but very rarely have I had a third party auditor come into something, whether it's a security measure or whether it's culture and leadership. Very rarely have I had somebody come in and outline a lot of things that I didn't already know or that I didn't already suspect. But again, it is good to have that fresh set of eyes come in and kind of confirm what you already suspected. Uh, and that's, you know, that's really, having that confirmation or having that uh, independent set of eyes on things that does kind of uh, reaffirm for you and reinforce that you're headed in the right direction or that you're trying to do the right things and again they always have uh, some other inputs on you know how we can get from point a to point b on things and sometimes that's good to hear as well so i recommend that if you're in a role where you you're taking over a, a you know stagnant environment or you're taking over a, a culture that really needs some some massive overhaul, uh, bring in a third party auditor and, and see what they say. And, and again, you may not be surprised by a lot of what they say, but having that reaffirm, uh, you know, that, that reaffirmation that you're, that you're headed in the right direction, that you're seeing things through the proper lens that can always be a benefit with you when you're trying to reinvent things or when you're trying to move forward so uh, a lot of it too boils down to listen to your people if uh your your uh your mass workforce out there your frontline people if they all have similar complaints or if they're all seeing the same things and and have the same concerns of of the company and how things are going uh yeah they they can't all be wrong right if if the yeah, I'm, I'm always a firm believer that there's there's something to be said for the opinions of the masses. And if, the, if everybody sees things the same way, again, you can't discredit that because their perception is their reality. And we've talked in previous episodes about the perception of people in your organization and how you can't just discredit that even if you disagree with it because their perception is based off of something. And so even if it's misinformation, it's still their perception. It's still their reality. And we have to adhere to that. We have to at least take it into consideration and try to to help fix that perspective or, or change that narrative, so. Um, you know, again, it boils down to listening to your people and being engaged. And sometimes that's where these these third-party auditors come in and they obviously have a different different level of engagement because they're not biased. They don't have stake in the company. They just come in and, and call it as they see it. And that can help uh, point you in the right direction if you're, you know, if you feel that your lens is a little bit clouded by uh, either your personal experiences or your personal relationships with in the company. So again, that third-party audit's not a bad thing, but as a leader, you should be in tune to some of those issues out of the gate to begin with. And uh, you know, don't be don't be surprised when the third party auditor points out a lot a lot that you already knew. So moving on to another topic here, uh, one of the things that uh, came up over the week, uh, another question that we got through the email inbox, uh, how how do we see accountability playing into a lot of the issues that we're seeing in the workplace across the board? And uh, that is a great question. And uh, you know, I've said it before, and and I you know I continue to believe this that accountability is everything. If we don't have people that are holding us accountable and we're not holding ourselves accountable, then pretty soon we, we've created a culture of just anything goes. And that's when, you know, you have people that are, you know, using their work time for things other than uh, the company productivity. Uh, they're not meeting goals. They're not meeting the expectations. And again, when they have that downtime, that's often when misconduct takes place or absenteeism or, you know, whatever the case may be. And so we have have to be cognizant of that and we have to hold ourselves accountable. If you're in a leadership role, the best thing you can do to hold yourself accountable and to make sure that that everyone is that that there's a high level of accountability in your leadership team is promote people that aren't necessarily like minded as you. They're not, they don't think the same. They think outside the box, they have they come from different backgrounds, they have various levels of experience, and they always have the ability to speak up and they're Their opinions and their feedback is welcome, because if you promote people that are all like minded, pretty soon everybody's doing the same thing. Nobody's holding anybody accountable. And it's just, uh, you know, especially if you're on the wrong track, if your leadership style is not necessarily getting it done and you've done nothing but surrounded yourself with people that think the same way that you are. That has, that has the potential to get off the rails very quickly. But if you have people around you that have different experience levels, have different backgrounds, and can tell you when you're about to head off the rails, that is, that's what's going to make you a more well-rounded leadership tree and that's what's going to hold you accountable and you're gonna be able to hold them accountable because everybody is uh, leaning on each other to a certain extent to get things done as opposed to just one direction, one thought process, one mentality, and that's the direction we're all headed. Because if you're headed in the wrong direction, you're really in trouble because you don't have anybody there to tell you to stop. And so that's the biggest thing that I think you can do as a leader. Insulate yourself with people that will tell you when you're, you know, naked on the balcony, so to speak, when you're the one out there that is uh, got an idea that everybody knows isn't going to work. If everybody around you is like-minded, they're going to go along with you. But if everybody has, different levels of opinion, they've seen things fail before and they come in and they speak freely and they're they're welcome to speak freely, they're going to alleviate you from going down a lot of roads that you don't necessarily want to go down. So that was a question that we had uh, again through the email inbox, uh, You know, accountability and how do we hold ourselves accountable? And again, promoting a lot of people and surrounding yourself with a team that is very like-minded as you are, that's not the way to hold yourself accountable. The way to hold yourself accountable is to to surround yourself with differing opinions and uh, people that can come together and and discuss things civilly and get things done and come to a resolution that's going to work well for everybody as opposed to a one-track-minded leadership tree where everything is going in one direction and we don't have a very broad view of how that direction is going to affect the overall organization because we don't have variances of, of opinion and, and variances of leadership experience and expertise. So again, it's incumbent upon you as a leader to make sure you have diversity at the table when you're making decisions, that you take everything into consideration and that you're not just surrounding yourself with yes men or, you know, persons of, of like-minded thought processes. And uh, again, that's that's what uh, having a well-rounded leadership tree does for you. It, it enables accountability. It enables a uh, broader view, and it just enables more success uh, for the 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 frontline workers. And the final thought that I had for today's episode: uh, somebody uh, asked, you know, if I if I could make a list of all the things that I think it takes to be successful in the workplace nowadays, uh, what what types of things would I put on that list? And I don't. Uh, that's a very tough one to to try to. Quantifier to try to you know I I can't necessarily come up with a list of five to ten items that I say you know you you must have in order to be successful out there in the real world. But after after thinking about it for uh, a few days here now, uh, I I do have a few bullet point items that I would throw out there for you to uh, take with you and try to live by these uh, if you're trying to get ahead in the workplace. Number one, uh, just operate with integrity be the type of person that is trustworthy that people want to go to when they have a problem and they know you'll steer them in the right direction and again uh, that comes down to just doing the right thing on a daily basis and using that as your measuring stick what is the right thing to do right now and uh, again even when you know you you don't think anybody's watching or you don't think eyes are on you always do the right thing that's that's a pretty simple rule to live by I think Um, the other thing that I will Tell you is find mentors and role models. Find people that you want to work for, that you want to surround yourself with, and find people that have been successful because there's a lot that you can take away from their experiences. Uh, there's a lot that you can learn from the hard work that other people do, and uh, how uh, you can, if you can instill some of those traits in yourself, that will make you successful in the long run. So, there's a lot that you can take away uh, from your mentors and role models out there and people that that you align yourself with. Uh, and on that topic, uh, I would also say surround yourself with uh, good people because if you surround yourself with greatness, that is going to help you exude your greatness as well and that's going to help you be better. Um, and so, you know, try to cut out the negative, the negativity. Uh, don't allow, you know, if, if you have bad apples around you, don't allow those people in. Don't allow their thoughts and their things and the, the things that they do to try to cut you down. Don't allow that to come in into, you know, an interference role with what you're doing out there. Just surround yourself with good people. Take what you can from those good people and leave the bad people, uh, you know, on the back burner. Don't let that affect you. Um, but the last thing that, that I would say, uh, always embrace your failures. Uh, you We all fail out there. It's inevitable from time to time, uh, especially as you're coming up in the corporate world or, you know, uh, in whatever position you find yourself in, you are going to have failures and embrace those failures don't run from them uh, take ownership in them learn from them and use them to build on uh, don't uh, dwell on them to the point that it's unhealthy or that you beat yourself up over them but just make note of them and make sure you're aware uh, always evaluate yourself what you could do better or how you could be more efficient and take those things with you when you fail and and you know if you're the type of person that can learn from your failures you're gonna go far because you won't be repeating the Same mistakes over and over again. So, those are just some items that I would put on my list if I were going to give you, uh, you know, pieces to your rules to live by or things that are going to make you successful in the workplace. Uh, Just be out there, do the right thing, surround yourself with good people, and you know, live with a purpose. Be out there trying to uh, get things done every day, and that's you know, you'll you'll go far if you if you go at things. Uh, from a driven perspective and a, and a perspective of of wanting to go out and get it done every day and wanting to be successful. Um, so with that, if you have anything that I've missed there or you want to, you know, uh, provide other things to that list, feel free to weigh in standard protocol podcast at gmail.com. Uh, and with that, we are going to close out episode number 21 here. So that's it for episode number 21. We appreciate you tuning in this week. Again, all of the uh, followership on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and YouTube is much appreciated. But hit us up as we uh, roll through the next week here, Standard Protocol Podcast at gmail.com. And with that, we're going to close this one out. Stay safe out there, and we will see you on the next one. Take care. We'll be right